and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Mike Sirock Siraco with me. Mike is the co-founder of Blueprinted. He's a best-selling author, runs a phenomenal podcast, a top business leader, and his favorite word is inexorable. So you're going to hear a little bit about a, a new word today, but Mike, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, man, Phil, thanks for having me. A uh, little scheduling difficulties on my end, but I'm glad to be here. Glad that uh, all worked out and what's meant to happen will always happen anyway. But thank you for having me. Thank you to your audience for showing up, man. Absolutely. So to kick off your story, as a young boy, your mom would tell you that you inspired her. So talk a little bit about what that meant to you and just, uh, you know, that phase of life. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a big reason why I became a like a, a leader and a builder of people's because my mom at a young age, like three or four years old, she used to say that, like, you inspire me so much. You're going to be a leader. Yeah. And I think it's because she knew the environment that I was going into with the broken family that we had and a lot of broken people in our, in our, you know, immediate family and extended family. So, you know, she was kind of preparing me, whether it was conscious or subconscious, I don't know, but uh, there's something there that definitely carried through. Yeah. Now, I think there's a lot of power in somebody seeing something in you even before you can recognize it in yourself and talk a bit about that, whether that's, you know, that, from that moment in your life or just people that have come into your life that helped you navigate where you were going and saw opportunity for you before you saw it in yourself. Yeah, you know, it, it's happened all my life. I can look back and pick out tons of tons of uh examples of this, you know, from my mom doing that to, uh, my principal in high school, hmm. um, not sure what he saw in me, but just gave me favor, man. Like, you know, if I got in a fight, which I fought a lot because I, <laughs> you know, I moved schools a lot and dealt with a lot of stuff as a kid, but, um, you know, by the way, I always thought it was like, I didn't start this thing. I probably didn't like, it was, it was weird. It was like, but anyway, yeah. but I, like, I would never get expelled or suspended from school i was always able to write a paper or do something different than that and so i just i noticed that 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 gentleman uh, his name was dr jackson he he saw something in me man and so that did carry some weight with me going forward and then you know you go forward into my business career just most recently i mean i've had a mentor and coach uh, that said i was playing too small of a game for my abilities and potential and i needed to step it up and play a bigger game and um you know, and, and some of the comments that, that, that I, that I hear and I'm, and I'm still not all the way there yet knowing who I am Yeah, trying to figure out like what's really, you know, under all the experience and all the uh, programming that we've all received really finding out who, who C-Rock is, you know, and I think we all need to, you know, Phil, you need to find it out, man. Like who's really Phil, like who's, who's that being that's inside of there uh, that's held back, that's limited, that's, um, confused by all the experiences and program that we've all received, you know? That is absolutely true. I agree a hundred percent. Now you mentioned a little bit about, you know, a broken home and growing up in that type of environment. And as you're 11 years old, you make a decision and you have to have a tough conversation with your dad. Talk about how that, you know, conversation went, what it was and how that really shaped you moving forward. Yeah. So I don't remember my parents ever together and growing up in a household like that, where I'd go to my dad's every other weekend, there's conflict for child support, custody battles, all that jazz. And anybody that's been in that knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and then you add step parents into the mix, which adds even more conflict and chaos and confusion. And, 
you know, my mom was moving on to her third marriage and I didn't really want to move into another man's house and learn another man's rules and all that jazz. So I uh, decided to give my dad's house a try and I broke my mom's heart. I've later found out she used to cry herself to sleep at night when she uh, let me go, but she let me go. Mm. And when I got to my dad's, it was cool at first, but um, very quickly I noticed, you know, a lot of fighting, a lot of conflict between them. My stepmom had an issue with everybody. She took it out on her kids. It's an abusive situation. And I just always thought it was normal going through that. Like I didn't know any different, like it was just kind of ordinary, but I didn't like it, but I just, I found like a situation where, okay, I'm in this situation. How can I make the best of this? And how can I navigate my way through this and even manipulate things to the way I wanted it? Yeah. And I would, I would find myself doing things to try to please and try to get on, get on the good side of, you know, the abuser and do whatever I had to do to try to, to, to be in a situation where um, the bad stuff didn't happen. Right. And um, I used to sleep with my baseball bat at night. It was crazy. Cause I've, I would hear threats and you know, all kinds of stuff. So going through that, I realized at one point, wait a minute, like if I, if I say something to my mom, maybe she can get me out of here. Mm. And I did, I meant I, I shared with my mom what was going on. And she said, you know what? That's no kid should have to deal with that. That's not normal. Yeah. And I'm going to file court papers. But if I file court papers to do this, you got to stick to your guns. Like you can't flip flop. Right. We go this forward with this. They're going to try to talk you out of it. Like when you believe in something in life, she said, this is a lesson for life. Like when you believe something in life, people will try to talk you out of it. So you need to stick to your guns. Yeah. I remembered that. And then when my dad had finally gotten served with the court papers, I came home from school one day. I must have been. Oh, what? Third grade, maybe. Uh, No, fourth or fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. I come home. He's got these papers. He sends me to my room. And my dad was my hero, by the way. Um, he, he, he had these big forearms and rough hands. He was a mason. They yeah. brick, block, concrete. And you knew he was a hard worker by, you know, you shake his hand, you could tell. Yeah. He always carried this wad of $100 bills around in his pocket because he was successful. He had a good business. And, and uh, Italian people don't carry wallets most of the time. The old guys didn't. They carry wads of money with rubber band around it. And he always used to show us $100 bills and flash them and show us what what, you know, what it was, right. What money was. Yeah. And I always looked up to him for that. And when he got confronted though, with these papers and he came to me and said, Hey, you know, what's the deal? Like says here, you want to move back with your mom. I, I don't understand why you would want to do that. Mm. They don't have any money. You got money mm. here. We got, we got everything you need. You know, she's got men coming in and out of the house. Like what's the deal? Why would you want to leave here? And I, and I, he just was blinded to what was going on. So I didn't even get in discussion. I just said, you know what? I made my mind up. I want, I want to go. And he said, okay. Takes his hundred dollars, you know, wad of hundred dollar bills out. He crumples one up, throws it at me, and says, "Here, you're gonna need this when you're living on the streets with your mother one day." Mm. And you know, at that moment when I was ten or eleven years old, I mean, I was like, first, I was like, "Geez, what did I just do?" Yeah. Like, what, what What did you know? I, th- I threw a, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just thought that like I set a bomb off, right? That's the feeling right. I had. But also, it was also a spark that was lit. Yeah. And that spark. Actually, I lived off that for 30 some years, knowing that I could not let him win, that I would never need that hundred dollar bill. And I got to say, I graduated away from that recently because when you do enough personal professional development in yourself, you start to realize that that toxic, that's, that's toxic fuel. You can't use that fuel anymore. And I talk about this in the rocket fuel book where basically, you know, you start off by taking everything that comes your way that would stop or slow a normal human being down. And you store it in your tank instead of your trunk. 
Yeah. When most people keep it to weigh them down, slows them down. I, I store mine in my, my, my tank, turn it into rocket fuel, convert, become unstoppable, but that's toxic. So what I've started to find out is, wait a minute, I just need to set my sights on things. Now I can believe I can accomplish things. Now my fuel is the targets and goals that I set out in front of me. It's a lot cleaner and more higher octane gets you further and faster. Yeah. So, you know, but I'll, I'll end on this. One thing that happens to me though, sometimes is I do find myself sometimes falling back into that trap of remembering, like, I can't, I, I can't use that money. I ain't gonna use that money. I'm not gonna use that money. Yeah. So I still use some of it sometimes. It, I don't know why it causes that sometimes, but uh, I just know that I have this other fuel available to me now. So I hope I <laughs> answered your question there. Absolutely. Well, with that, though, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, practically someone here is listening to that, right? And they've been operating and they've been having success, but all of the fuel has been a chip on their shoulder. It's been the person that stabbed them in the back. And to your point, sometimes that has negative consequences to it. So what's the process for somebody that's been operating that way with toxic fuel to take that and transition it into, you know, forward looking fuel? Uh, I think it has to do with your belief. You know, I talked about this in the beginning about finding out who you are and understanding yeah. like what goals are you living off of? Most people are living off of other people's goals. Like you got the parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, friends, yeah. even, even, even believe it or not, pets yeah. that people have that have a want in life. And then the person picks up that, that goal or target from those people. And if those people die or leave those people's lives, eventually they, they, they grab onto it and take those goals upon them like they're their own. Yeah. And then you find yourself chasing goals and dreams that aren't yours. Mm-hmm. They call them dead man's goals. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're not fulfilled. You're frustrated and you will fail at them because of the fact that you're just picking up from someone else's failures. And you yeah. see that they failed at it. So now you pick it up like you need to, but you still fail at it. You self-sabotage yourself. So you really got to peel the layers back, find out who you are and find out what you really want. Find out what your goals are. That's number one. Number two, understanding people. Like if somebody stabs you in the back, says something about you, no matter what somebody does to you, it's not personal. Nope. You know, even maybe may harmful to you. Nope. It's not personal. It's about themselves. It's about the trouble that they're going through. And when you can get to the point where you don't take things personally, and you love no matter what, you love everyone no matter what, you're able to free yourself so that you can focus on your true goals and targets. That's amazing. You're going to want to rewind that, listen to that back a couple of times. That's perfect. Now, Mike, something for you that I think is very interesting is, you know, at this stage of your life, you're very transparent, you're very open just about how things went down, how you feel about it. And I think a lot of times, whether it's males or females, the example of a role is who we saw. And my guess, just by the way that you've described your dad was, he was probably not a super open, transparent, vulnerable person with you, Um, but you've been able to develop and personally get there. So talk a little bit about that journey of maybe redefining, you know, what it is to be, to be a man and what that means to you now. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. So I've seen my grandfathers. I've watched, witnessed my uncles. Um, I've witnessed, you know, my, my dad, my stepdad. I've, I've, I've paid attention. I was always very observant, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you're right. They weren't always vulnerable and transparent. Some were more than others. Yeah. 
But for me, it's all about my mission. What I, what I established and when I found my mission, which is all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. I filter everything through that mission. And in order to do that mission and to impact people, you have to be able to share with things with people, be transparent, be vulnerable, be uh, like, just, just let people know what it's, what's up and what, what, what is like that, what you've been through, what your thoughts are, because at the end of the day, you're not going to help them otherwise. And I can't create unstoppable people or help people become unstoppable, which is possible by the way. Yeah. It's all based on a decision, but I can't help them if I'm not, you know, genuine with them. And I think that, genuineness allows people to connect relate and trust me yes now as you are progressing through your younger years you start to become good at football and this opens up some doors for you and you end up uh, going to Salisbury College uh, so talk a little bit about the decision to go that route and your journey in college and, and the ultimate decision you have during college uh well yeah I mean I've always since I was old enough I can remember I always wanted to be a football player and play football. Yeah. I don't know where that came from or why <laughs> I have no idea, but I just, I just always wanted to, to play. And I got the opportunity when I was about 11, when I moved to my mom's from my dad's yeah. and I scored four touchdowns in my first game. And I thought I was off to the races. And then yeah. from there, I scored one, the rest of my whole career from peewee high school to college, I scored one touchdown after that. And, but I played mostly defense, but still, uh, it was crazy. Cause I thought after that first game that I had figured something out, but, um, but after that, yeah, I went to college, played division three, realized that, um, it was a job when you got to college, it became more of a job yep. and I just wasn't going anywhere with it. Cause I wasn't big or fast enough. Yep. And, uh, so I decided to, ch- to stop, but not only that, once I realized that and I got to college and I got freed up, um, and all on my own. Uh, I started, I fell off track, man. I mean, I lost my focus. I started drinking, partying, chasing women, uh, looking for the next party. Mm-hmm. And that became my life and priority. Yeah. And what ended up happening, I got good grades. I had no problems, but I ended up dropping out of college with a 4.0 thinking that I was going to go do what Tom Cruise did in the movie cocktail, which is <laughs> go work in a restaurant bar business and then start my own bar in the uh, Caribbean. Yeah, And then I, uh, that doesn't work by the way, when you are <laughs> drinking and partying and, uh, you know, marijuana, cocaine, like that, yeah. that's very prevalent in the restaurant bar business. Mm-hmm. And if you're on that kick, uh, you are not going to be successful. Yeah. And so that's what happened to me, man. And then I, what it got me out of it was getting in the, into a sales position and meeting my wife and realizing that, you know, there's, there's more important things in the world and I need to get refocused and get back on track. Once I got back on track, then, then the rest is history. But that, that period of time though, was really dark, <laughs> really dark. I had good times in college. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but uh, it, it, it starts off great. And it always goes downhill and gets really dark fast. Yeah. Now, you know, you used an example of partying, you know, drinking drugs, things of that nature. But I also just think it's, you know, things that seem cool, but are distracting us from our ultimate goal, right? You know, hey, this serves me for a night. It serves me for a week. It serves me for a month. Um, Anybody listening, it could be completely different things in their lives, but they understand the idea of like, hey, I've got this ultimate goal, but I'm getting, you know, kind of tripped up and not really being able to approach my ultimate goal because I've allowed these smaller other things to enter my life. What would be advice you would give folks listening that, Hey, I'm in pursuit of a goal, but I'm letting these small barriers get in my way from being able to accomplish my true goal. I haven't completely cleaned those things out yet. Well, very simple. 
Very simple. And by the way, human beings are funny. Like they don't like simple answers <laughs> and they think that simple answers cannot correct things that they have they they have created to be big problems. Yeah. It's very simple. And please, please don't discount this because it's so simple. You really need to find a mission or purpose. You need to commit to it, get really clear on it, decide everything's based on decisions that you've made, decide that that's what you want. And then from there, you filter every thought, word, action, and your environment through that mission and you stay consistent with it. And if it doesn't serve that or build towards it or anything like that, you get rid of it. You remove all obstacles. And even this includes people, which is a difficult thing for some folks is that you examine the surroundings in your environment, the people that are in your life and find out if they're on your team or not. You find out if they're in alignment with you or not. If they're not, you have to have a discussion and communicate with them. And if they can't get on board, you have to let them go. You have to spend less time with them, if any time at all, because you only get one life on this planet at this moment. And it's way too short to allow someone to take the dreams that you may have. And, uh, you know, those are the, that's the simple keys. That's it. It's that simple. I love it. Well, and one thing that I think is pivotal that you said is that idea of consistency. And I think consistency is doing it even when you don't want to do it. Right. And not allowing the emotion of a moment to deviate you from that goal you're pursuing. Yeah. Would you, would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So first of all, doing it when you don't want to doing it when it's hard, doing it when nobody's looking, those are the three keys to get yourself to hundred percent participation from yourself. Yeah. Uh, and if you do that, you're fine. You, you will be fine. It's boring. Consistency is boring. <laughs> Let's just call it like it is at the beginning, right? It's boring. It's, it's not fun all the time, yeah. but just do it anyway. I have the saying, do it anyway. And then when you're, when you're done three, six months, a year from now, you won't even recognize yourself, but here's the other key key to this. When you're really excited about something and really interested in about something, you think about it and you do it. But when you're not, and you get down into like a situation where you're bored, depressed, angry, fearful, uh, upset, sad, any of that stuff, keep this in mind. And then any of those miss, we call miss emotions between your thought of something and then doing it, the actual effort that goes into it is like a sticky syrup, which is emotion. Yeah. Miss emotion, which is the bad emotions will get in your way every single time from achieving things. Mm. So in order to get consistency or to take action and achieve something, you really need to take thought and move right into action and remove yeah. any time that that would be in between. Cause as time is added more stickiness, more syrup, or whatever you want to call it gets in there and jams everything up. Mm. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's my two cents on that. That's, that's great. Now, like you mentioned, so we get out of college, even though we have 4.0, we're moving on to sales and you had one sales role and then you get into real estate sales and that is going well for you. And that transitions into the mortgage side of real estate as well. Talk about that progression and how those jobs came to be. Well, when I was in in in-home sales, I did it for nine years. I I never thought that that would be my end-all, be-all job. Yeah. Um, I knew there was more for me, whether it was owning a company that did it and have other sales reps in it in that same field or um, do something else. And at some point, I just realized, like, this is not going to be for me. Like, this is not happening. So I decided to get my real estate license because I watched – what I do a lot of times is I'll look out and see what other people are doing. And I'm like, oh, wait, they're making money. They're having success. Let me try that. And so I went and got my real estate license. And hit it off the first year. I was top sales and listing agent. 
um, because I just committed and went all in, didn't care what I knew. I just took action. Yeah. And then I just started to realize too, that I didn't feel like taking people around on tours and showing houses. That just wasn't me. <laughs> I didn't want to spend my life doing that. And I had some friends that were in the mortgage business and I saw them doing well and they didn't have to take people on tours. And I said, well, I'm going to try this. Yeah. So I just made the move, got my license and did it. And that was the first time I ever made six figures back in the day was in the mortgage space. Um, maybe real estate was first. I don't, I'm not sure, but, um, but, but I made six figures. And then from there I made like increases every year since then. Yeah. Um, I remember one time was, I was in the mortgage business and I started opening up branches with my partner and instead of just being a loan officer. And I remember writing this number down because I was talking about a financial advisor and he's like, dude, you got to write your goals down. And I'm like, all right, I'll write them down. Yeah. And I just did it once a year at that point, but I, I can't even imagine doing it just once a year, but I wrote a number down. Um, I remember this years ago, I wrote 500,000 and I, I, I remember the time, like can't even imagine making 500,000. Like it's mm -hmm. so crazy how small my mind think was back yeah. then. Like I wanted to do well and I was doing well, but like I, I wrote 500,000 down and didn't even believe it. Wow. Did, but I just did it anyway. And that year I made 550,000. And then the following year made more and more and more. And so I just, I don't know, man, I just learned a lot as I was going through there. Then I ran into Grant Cardone and 10X and all that. And that changed everything. Yeah. So that was even like, that was like, a, I went from small to big back then. And then when I went to that, I was like, not just big, it was infinite. Like I can, I can do anything. Yeah. That's so good. Now, as you were building your company, um, the, the mortgage company that you start building is doing well, but it doesn't stay well for forever. So talk about starting a company, the struggles that go with that, and then also building it to be a successful business. Yeah, I mean, uh, I first started out just thinking that we needed just sales and revenue and that's it. And we would just add a bunch of people and fix it and all that. And we really didn't set a foundation or put systems and processes in. Yeah. And you can build a company and have success and make some money. But if you don't build the foundation, you're, you're going to crumble. Mm. And that's what we did. We didn't have core values. We didn't have any alignment. We didn't have any, you know, we didn't get with our employees and find out what their goals were. We didn't have any of that. And I learned that on the way. I learned it the hard way. And we, you know, we had a, I don't know, shoot. We're probably making uh, revenue 12 to 15 million a year. And it came crumbling down to nothing. And then we got it back up in there in two years. We got it back up and running the second time because I did it the right way. Started out with culture. We started out with core values, mission, yeah. and made sure the people that were on board were in alignment. If they weren't, we handled them. And I don't mean like the old Italian way. <laughs> we just handled, we handled them. Like we did. That, that, we that baseball them. bat used to sleep with it nah. came back out, huh? Yeah, we didn't do that. But, uh, but no, we just said this isn't the place for you, you know? Yeah. And then we got everybody tied into that and on, on board with that so that everybody was operating on those core values. Yeah. And it took off. Now, once we do that, then I, now outstretching to other businesses and I just can do the same thing. It's just different vehicles now, but just do the same. You just do the, follow the same blueprint. Yeah. For you in the business, what were a few of the core values that you guys really bought into and you know employees bought into as well? Well, we have our core values. It's a acronym vitals and every letter obviously stands for something. So uh, V is vibes matter and emotions are contagious. We understand mm -hmm. that, you know, negative emotions are stronger than positive ones, but to pay attention, how you're affecting people. 
and uh, the, everyone has a paragraph underneath of it. But the, but all of our employees know memorize the core values. This first sentence, um, I stands for imagine. No lids, endless potential. We don't ever put any lids or potent, like limits on ourselves yeah. or the group. Uh, T, uh, take 100% responsibility. Mm. Everybody understands that there's no blaming. We all take responsibility for getting the ball down the field. A is all setbacks or rocket fuel, which means anything that comes your way, you just convert it into fuel. You don't let it stop you or slow you down. Uh, L is leadership starts with me. No matter what your position in our company is, no matter how new you are, no matter what, everybody's a leader yeah. and is expected to lead. And S is the final letter. Success is the only option. We just understand that we don't ever quit. We don't ever give up. We just keep going, adjust, you know, um, pivot, whatever we need to do. But success is the only option. I like it. And I like how even the ones that are like more me focused or me centered still have to do with the entirety of the company, right? It was never an internal focus. It was how can what I do internally really help everybody and yeah. help the business move forward? Well, Phil, the thing is, is that leadership starts with me. Yeah. Right. So you have to be able to lead yourself because if you can't hold yourself accountable, you will refuse to hold other people accountable. Yeah. And so every, every one of those starts with the individual, making sure that they can do it first. And then it becomes the team's thing. You can't, you, you put the team first in the fact that like, you don't put yourself in front of the team in, um, you know, uh, uh, trying to think like rewards or any of that, but, but when you do have to work on yourself first, because you can't help the team until you help yourself. Yes. Now, Something I want to highlight just within that story is you had a business, it was doing well, but maybe it grew too fast, right? I mean, it just wasn't built on the right things. And after it crumbled, opposed to saying, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I'm going to get out of this. I better go find something else to do. You said, no, I just learned a really hard but valuable lesson. And this is going to allow me to do it bigger, better, and faster well, the next well, time. Well, well, hold on. So that thought ran through my mind. Let's get it. Let's okay. get it right. Like well, I, let's I, talk about I was that. miserable. Yeah. Like that was probably one of the darkest besides back when I was partying at the end of those times there, like this was one of the toughest times of my life. Yeah. I mean, I remember breaking down in my, in my kitchen um, in front of my wife saying, I can't take the weight of this anymore. I felt like I had 20. I don't know, 22, 25 employees and their families, like relying on me making a decision and, and what happened. And, um, it was tough. And I, I just told my wife, I'll never let this happen again. Like this will never happen again. Like I will not make this mistake of putting all my eggs in one basket, uh, being identified as like losing my identity and becoming, you know, a, a division manager or whatever it was yeah. ain't happening again. And I'm not going to, ever be a prisoner to one industry again in my life. And so I set out at that moment, not just to rebuild and do that thing again, but with the right people, but also to expand, to build this brand here, um, to do other things, to get known. And that's when I decided to start getting known by uh, not just the people in my neighborhood, not just the people in my state or region or the country, not even just the people on the globe, but all life forms in, in case there's aliens. I decided I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be known by aliens if there's aliens because it it matters you know phil have you ever thought of this in your business i was talking to my team about this today like how many people on this planet know who you are mm, yeah like have you ever asked yourself that question and really examine that like really how many people know not how many people do you know right how many people know who i am yeah 
And if it's not thousands and maybe tens of thousands, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing every day? You're in business. I'm not talking about just you general, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. What like in business, you're in sales, you have a business. Your, your job is to get people to know who you are and what you do, period. If you do that enough times, nothing else has matters. Everything will take care of itself because there's going to be people, enough people, if you do it enough, that absolutely love you. They vibe with you. They connect with you. There's going to be people that hate you. That's fine. <laughs> and there's going to be people in the middle somewhere. And that's what you're going to have to work towards. But at the end of the day, you won't even have to deal with many of the haters or the people in the middle if you do it enough and make sure people know who you are and what you do because you're going to have enough of the lovers that you're going to be busy as you, you don't know what. Yeah. Most people don't focus on that. They focus on all the other clutter, all the other things. Keeping it simple is focus on who knows me mm-hmm. and how can I increase that number of people knows me and what I do. Wow. And if you just figure that out, man, you, you got the keys to the castle. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now you mentioned, I broke down in front of my wife as this business is coming down. Talk about the power of having somebody that supports you behind you going through a tough moment, you know, such as that to, you know, be a kick in the butt to get back up and to move forward. Uh, Well, that goes to the environment thing. Like when you look at, um, I talked about having a mission and having your environment and being, being hypersensitive to your environment. That goes to that because you have to have the people in your environment that are supporting you and get rid of the ones that aren't. And, uh, a lot of people think you're supposed to adapt to your environment and, and, you know, be very like moldable. And yeah. that's not true for truly successful, unstoppable people in life. The key is to take your environment and you mold it the way you want it. You're mm-hmm. in control. Most people don't, 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 they don't preach that. Like they'll, they'll yeah. preach. You got to be adapt. You got to blend in. It's safe. All that bullshit. Um, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Like I want to take my environment, see what's going on, be hypersensitive. Oh, you got to go. This has got to go add this. This is the way I want it and situate my space the way I want it. Yeah. And that's the way I roll. And that creates me to be unstoppable. I, I teach people to do that. Yeah. I, I, I think of it this way, right? And this is a new analogy, but it's the idea of am I a thermometer or am I a thermostat, right? Thermometer is just taking the temperature of the situation and uh, I'm going to adapt to that. Thermostat is, hey, no, I, I want to turn it up. I want to turn it down. I'm, I'm really controlling that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like it where you can just say that I'm, I'm like fucking in control and <laughs> nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. And, and, and if it does, I'm getting rid of it yep. and being like, you got to be like that hard on it. Like not hard on, but like that hard into it, like that <laughs> yep. committed. I'm sorry, man. If your show doesn't take cuss words and stuff, yeah. I'm just really passionate and I, I'm unfiltered. So um, yeah. So feel free to beat those things out. But anyway, yeah, no, it's just like in your mind, like I'm, I'm the one, like I'm yep. the one in control. Right. Yep. You know, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a firm believer, unapologetic in, in an all powerful almighty God. And I'd be naive. And I think we'd all be naive to believe that we were put on this planet with limited potential. Hmm. And, you know, I always know God's in control, but he put me here with these abilities with free will to be in control of what I'm doing. And too many people give up that control and it's sad. Yeah. I love it. Now with your time and your brother, your brother is reading a book and he says, Mike, you got to check out this book. 
talk about the introduction to Grant Cardone and the ideas that are really, you know, really aligned with what you're wanting to do and what you're currently doing. Yeah. So he said, I'm reading this 10 X rule. You got to read this book. This guy sounds like you. And this is like right when we moved into the rebuild of that, the company. And uh, yeah. I said, all right, I'll read it. And I read it and he, I was like, damn, this guy does sound like me. Like he, you know, he, he's crazy. He says what he wants to say. He wants to get shit done and move out of my way. And I, I just started reading it. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's got this kind of success and he's doing this. I stopped doing this for a while. I got caged up. I got mm-hmm. limited because I was being suppressed, allow myself to be suppressed by people that were negative, yeah. uh, just, you know, confused people. And I said, you know what, this is like validation. I needed to like, let the, let them, let the guy out, man. Let me, let me get out and do my thing. And yeah. so that's what that did for me. And then I just started hanging out with those guys and, you know, investing in his programs, immerse myself in grant stuff just to see what was up. And I started really finding myself and finding other things that, that I always knew were there, but just never could access. And man, the rest is history. Like the last, I can tell you, uh, Phil, the, the last, what, 40, let's see, three to four years, I've accomplished more than I have in the prior 40, some 41 or 42 years. Yeah. Now you, you didn't just read the book and you kind of alluded to it. You, I mean, you dove, you immersed yourself all in, in, you know, partnering with Grant Cardone and his companies and what they're doing. Talk a bit about how those partnerships kind of wove in and out and uh, how it all came to be. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, I just, I, I just got involved with the community so much. I wanted to be around all the people that thought that way. And I want to start helping people and helping them spread that mission or spread that word of 10 X and, and all that. And then, so from there, I, I got pretty well known in that community. Um, and then when you start hanging out with the right people, things start going better for you. I ran into Jared Yellen, who, you know, who you interviewed, uh, by just me on my reach out program on Instagram, DM and people just touching base with people, introducing myself and, um, met Jared found out what he was into his, you know, the alignment between the two of us is amazing. Like we are on the same wavelength, the same energy. It's just crazy. We think the same way and I'm, I'm able to help him and he's able to help me. And we got talking about what he's doing and what his mission was, which was to build scale and sell 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. And I'm like, I I don't know what that is or how that's going to happen, but I'm in like, I want to, I want to, I want to be a part of that. And so from there, I just started bringing relationships in into the, that ecosystem uh, one which was Grant and Grant decided to invest with Jared and then many others. And then we also launched two tech platforms, Blueprinted. And we're, well, we launched one. We got one other one being built, Tipperosity. Um, two platforms that we're going to be, you know, eventually exiting after we impact with them. Yeah. And that's just two of the 10,000 that, that we're going to do. Yes. Now, as I hear you say that, something that comes to mind is, how many people don't want to surround themselves with people that think bigger because their ego gets in the way, right? They'd rather be the the big fish in the small pond opposed to getting around like-minded people and seeing what's possible. What would be your encouragement to that person that's, you know, they're, they're comfortable and there's nothing wrong with getting to a point of comfortability, but your point, we're created to, you know, really push the limits and see how much we can uh, contribute to bro, life. Bro, I don't mean to cut you off, but there is a problem with that because when you're comfortable, you die. Like what do mm, they do to people yeah. that are dying of cancer? They give them morphine for what? 
They give them Valium, morphine, all these like fentanyl. Yeah. They give them these drugs to make them comfortable Yeah, because they're dying. I don't want to yeah. be comfortable. I don't even like, I'm not going to let you slide with that one. Yeah, um, I love comfortable, it. Comfortability and complacency is my kryptonite hmm. because I know that if I get to that point, then that, that's, I'm, I'm laying it down, man. And that's not cool. So, um, yeah, yeah. As far as being in a room, like my, my thing is, is that I cannot be in a situation where I'm in a room where people are, are uh, not as smart as me, not as wise as me, not as like well-off financial as me because they don't understand me. Mm. That's one thing. Yeah. I, I have a hard time because when I start talking, they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> That's one thing. I don't like that. So I yeah. want to go into rooms where people understand me and they're like, yeah, I, I get you. I get you little man. Like keep working. You'll get to me where I am one day. And learn from those people. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's what that's what matters to me. Like I want to learn from those people, and like I said, and uh, and, and let them rub off on me a little bit, right? But yeah. also, I don't like the conversations that go on with, when I'm in a room and I'm the smartest. Or it just doesn't. I I really can't get into conversations in those rooms. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I have friends. I have friends I used to have, um, and I you know I still care about them and all that. But I, I go out to dinner with them, and then like they look at me like I'm crazy. They don't they lose track of focus of what I'm talking about. And it's just not a good time. Like, I don't want to spend my time doing that. Yep. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. 100. Yes. So you, you have this idea to write your book, rocket fuel, talk a little about the principles and uh, you know, the book itself. Yeah. So I decided to write the book because I had the podcast called, what are you made of? I was sharing my story on there. Yeah. And then I had some other people come on, they're sharing their stories and I'm like, sharing your story is powerful especially if you have a good one and you came from a place and you were able to rise away from that. It's inspiring. It's informative. It's, you know, motivational, but there's lessons to be learned all that. So I decided to start writing yeah. and I noticed a lot of other speakers. I want to be a speaker back in the day. Uh, I noticed other speakers were writing books and writing a book is a good calling card. It gives you reason to promote yourself. Uh, so when I wrote that book, I promoted it for probably six months prior to launching it and sold thousands of copies before it was even ready. Um, but the stories inside of it come from some of the things I shared today, just other lessons and learn, uh, that I learned, like being mentored as I went on this journey and it's all about turning setbacks into rocket fuel to become unstoppable. Yeah. Now I thought it was interesting earlier how you mentioned, um, you know, blowing past a certain goal and then how that opened your eyes. So the first time you made six figures, then all of a sudden you set this goal of making 500,000. You thought that was crazy. But you also talked about how there was a mindset shift and, you know, some of it came as you, you know, spent time with individuals, read books. So, you know, all of a sudden you get around a guy like a Grant Cardone for an example, right? And he <laughs> the, truly does has this unlimited mindset of, you know, what's possible how have you been able to go from, you know, hitting that first goal and hitting a bigger goal of 500,000 to now really having this unlimited mindset? What were some of the processes that you went through for that? Well, I can tell you, um, obviously proximity to people, um, assessing constantly where I am daily on where my activities are, where my thoughts are, my attitudes are. Assessment is, is, is imperative and most people don't do it at all, let alone daily like I do. If you wait till a week, a month, a year, a quarter, whatever, it's way too long to adjust. Yeah. So those little adjustments allow me to keep on track and growing. Uh, but also, you know, Grant turned me on to some, some technology that's blown me away. Like 
you know, I, I read a lot of L. Ron Hubbard books and take a lot of the courses and, and despite what I've heard about when I was growing up or not growing up, but like earlier on about some people's experiences with Scientology and stuff, I haven't seen any crazy stuff except for the fact that I'm able to accomplish whatever I want. Mm. And if that's a bad thing, uh, well, I don't want to be around you if you think it's a bad thing. Yeah, right, so, right. So at the end of the day, like there, there's technology and, and different things of being really able to control your mind, understand your mind and understand you and find out who you are um, and understand what's real and what's not. That's all helped me um, to get to this point, to the point now where like I wrote that $500,000 $500, number down that one time. And now we're writing $15 billion numbers down. Like, um, you know, tech is crazy. You can do some wild things with it. And, um, I'm just, I'm just going to see how far we can take this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and I, the thing I thought was very interesting that you said earlier is, Hey, the first 40 years, I probably accomplished less than what I've accomplished in the last three or four years. And knowing what you're doing and what your trajectory is, I would say that there's probably a good chance that in the next three or four years, you'll look back on these past three or four years and say, gosh, I can't believe that I thought that was a big jump. In yeah, life. without a doubt, man. And I'm always thinking about that. I'm like, well, if that's the case. I don't want to be in a situation where I didn't tell myself I didn't think big enough. Yeah. So that's why I, I, I just pushed the limits. Now I set, I set like reachable targets to go on that way. So I still have wins. Yeah. While I'm on the way for this big thing, the big thing I'm not emotionally attached to though. Like my thing is I have that for direction. Mm. Right. Yeah. And there's no, there's no lid on it. There's no limit to it. Right. So, but then I just go in that direction yeah. and I keep chipping away, chipping away, being open to quantum leaps. There's a book called U uh, squared that I read it talks about quantum leaps, being open to receiving big giant gifts, things to fall right in your lap sometimes, but chipping away while you're waiting for that. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where this thing's going to go, man, but I just know I'm living every single day doing the best I can at every single day and let the chips fall where they may. Now, I, I really like how you talk about I've got this big goal that I'm working towards. Um, but how frequently do you recalibrate that goal or how frequently do you kind of recalibrate the trajectory that you're on? I know you said daily, I like to take an inventory of, you know, where, where I'm at, but how often are you recalibrating those goals? I don't change the goal. Okay. Okay. So I don't, I don't change it. I will tell you that emotionally and, uh, and, and thoughts sometimes go through my head. Like, I don't know how the hell we're going to get there. Like, <laughs> what the hell, what are we, this is, is this even real? Yeah. I go through all the same stuff everybody else does, but I don't change it because I'm not going to, if I change it, it's all because of a thought that I had or emotion that I was going through at the time. Yep. So keep it where it is and understand that I don't trust my emotions mm. and I just keep going forward towards it and, and just keep telling myself thrust is a must rocket fuel guy, right? Thrust is a must is my saying. I say it all the time. I got to keep, just keep thrusting forward, man. Just got to keep going no matter what, just keep going. I don't care how you're feeling right now. Just keep going. You'll feel different tomorrow. Just keep going. That's what I just keep telling myself, man. And, and so I don't change shit. We just, we, now we change some things that we're doing and just things as we're going towards that direction, but we don't change the, 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 the end game, the end game. Yeah. Instead of changing your goal, change how you're going about getting to your goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, Phil, one things is like, you know, I have blueprinted, which is the platform we just launched now. Yeah. And that is the way I'm thinking we're going to get there. But at the end of the day, like, it may not be, but I'm, I'm setting this goal of, you know, exit a company for $15 billion. I'm setting this target out there. 
Now, whether it's blueprinted, whether it's another platform, whether it's a combination of them all, that doesn't matter how, as long as we get to where we're going. That's, that's the thing. So on that journey, we're going to be like figuring stuff out. There's challenges we're going to overcome. That's fun. Who, who do I become? Yeah. During that journey. I mean, I, I'm not going to become anybody. I'm already, I don't think the, I don't think I change. I think it's like, like, what do I learn? What do I get? What habits do I just get to form? And um, those are the things that I'm looking forward to on this journey. And then the journey is the journey. Like I, I want to get to the end, but by the time we get to the end, if I don't enjoy the stuff that we're doing on a daily basis, uh, it'll go fly by and we'll look back and like, man, I wish I would have appreciated that more. 1000%, my man. Well, Mike, any other pivotal moments that you would like to highlight today that as you kind of reflect on your story, um, you know, I've been paramount in getting you to where you're at currently. Um, no, I think there's, there's still yet to come. Uh, yeah. I do want to just let everybody know if you uh, want to check out blueprinted B L O O printed.com, you can check out the new platform. Um, that, that, that's been a catalystic moment, really this, this platform's, you know, probably one of the most innovative platforms in personal professional development in the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is a marketplace of step-by-step guides to achieve any outcome in life. Whether it's you want to start a podcast, whether you want to be a better husband, better father, whether you want to learn how to do something, whatever, yeah, it gets results and removes all the fluff from courses. Mm. People buy these digital courses, very few. I don't even know what the exact number is. I've seen it as low as 3% to 18% people actually complete courses. Wow. That's unacceptable. There's no results happening. And there's because there's too much fluff, too much time in videos. We get rid of all that step-by-step guides to achieve an outcome with quick yeah. wins, bite-sized wins each day. Uh, that's what Blueprint it is. And I'm excited about that platform. We're having challenges. We're having events around it. Uh, we're loading, uh, we call architects, our creators into the platform now. And we have several Blueprints up there already. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, Mike, I want to say thank you so much for your time today and just sharing your story and the pivotal moments that led to where you're at. Um, there is no doubt that the 15 billion mark is, is what you're on track for and that you'll have to be on again in probably a year, two years tops uh, yes, to highlight all the pivotal moments that have happened uh, in all the new things that you're venturing into. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me, Phil. I appreciate it.